1: At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: All right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Mazen Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The only podcast that knows Columbus, Ohio, was named after a genocidal Spaniard who was wronged by about 9,000 miles. I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, the human equivalent of a World War II-era battleship. My friend, how the hell are you?
3: Oh, Sir, I am great. I am snorting confidence and breathing fryer. (laughs) Fire, maybe not fryer. And <laughs> and drinking
2: just, beers also.
3: And drinking a few Budweiser's because this is the pod that people have been talking about. The biggest pod of the Out of the Blue era, if I do say so
2: myself. Uh, I would also say that, and by people we mean basically you and I in our text yeah. threads that we have.
3: <laughs> Ourselves, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, you and I, but how could we be wrong? I mean, we thought maybe it was the Michigan State game and there's been some big ones past. We've been in this position uh at the end of the season against Ohio State with everything on the line twice now in the Jim Harbaugh era, 2018, 2016, this being the third time. But this one feels different, man. It's exciting to be here in this position and uh for you and I who probably are among the more Confident and optimistic of Michigan fans. I mean, we're probably in the the higher tier of that. I'm not saying we're just complete homers. Uh, a little bit of vindication for us to be in this position and uh, and have it all on the line this Saturday. This is everything you want from Michigan football season
3: so far. I mean, obviously beating Michigan State would be everything you wanted, but ten and one with the Big Ten championship and everything right in front of you, Ohio State coming to Ann
2: Arbor. You, it's it's almost poetic it is poetic and i mean there were there were times and not that long ago a lot of listeners probably remember when this was the standard and this is kind of the rivalry that other rivalries wanted to be and we're hoping it hasn't gotten back to that point yet but here it is here's a chance to get it back to, and it, just one win might be enough to get you there but we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit we are going to talk Everything about that rivalry, everything about that game, but let's kind of go back a little bit and touch on Maryland last week. That was a 59-18 win that should not just be kind of scoffed at or glanced over. That was an awesome win and maybe the most fun win of the season, like just a fun game to watch.
3: Absolutely, and it's so much fun because it was complete on all sides of the ball. You had the offense picking up steam, you had the defense shutting things down, you had pick sixes, you had kickoff returns, you had block punts, you had trick plays, you had everything you ever wanted. And the last thing all Michigan fans wanted to see was this team limp into the Ohio State game after what Ohio State did at noon.
2: Yes, and we will talk about what Ohio State did against Michigan State uh, here in a little bit. But we were talking about this game the week before, and it was kind of just the the thought process was you can't look ahead. They're a good enough team that if you're completely checked out and focused on Ohio State... They might be able to do something against against you. And not only did they not look ahead, they played one of the most complete games of the, actually the most complete game of the season. I would argue it's that, or maybe Wisconsin.
3: Even Wisconsin started out slow. Remember like they really didn't get on the board or get momentum till the flea flicker touchdown to CJ. So this just felt like it was still a little treading water, but a 28 point third quarter really silences a lot of questions about this offense's ability to be electric.
2: That third quarter was, without a doubt, the most enjoyable quarter of the season, I would have to say. And the team showed a lot about their character in this one to to answer. And Maryland was able to crawl back. They got another two-point conversion, which has to be something this team is focused on. We have been awful stopping two-point conversions this season, if you're looking for a nitpick. Um, But they were able to climb back within, I believe, 20 is as close as they they got, you know, once we got that 20-point lead. And we were just able to answer every blow that they they threw. And I never really felt in doubt or worried in this game. Maybe not for more than a couple seconds.
3: For a split second there in the third quarter, after they scored again on their second consecutive touchdown drive and then hit the two-point conversion, I'm like, okay, we got to do something. And then it's third down. And I'm like, okay, we really got to do something. Otherwise, this just feels like Rutgers again. But then we route, Donovan Edwards never looked back.
2: Let's talk a little bit about Donovan Edwards. What an absolute wrinkle. You and I are huge fans of this. We have some similar rooting interests for what we like to see on the football field. I think that uh, explosive running backs used out of the backfield as a receiving option is something we both uh, kind of raises the hair on the arms a little bit. Maybe gets the blood vessels constricted because uh, I enjoyed watching this. Like, And we've kind of been wanting this since... Chris Evans, you know, it's been a yeah. few years that we've kind of been saying we'd like to see that element yeah. in this offense. And that was so fun to, to watch and to the tune of a record-breaking performance.
3: It gets something and I'm telling you. That much. <laughs> I thought <know> you <laughs> so, were going with that. <laughs> so, I mean, earlier this year, it started off with Blake Corum. He was the one that was really utilized out of the backfield. And then Hassan Haskins, when Corum went down, was utilized more in the passing game. And now this, this massive explosion by Donovan Edwards. So now you have three viable pass catching options out of the backfield can already combined with the receivers and tight ends and everything else on the roster Schoonmaker getting another touchdown this week right so it's like just there's so many weapons and things to be at josh gaddis's disposal going into ohio state now so it makes you feel good to see improvement from players like donovan edwards like an andrel anthony just get progressing all throughout the year
2: this has to be fun for Josh Gaddis, right? I mean, assuming Corum can come back this week, he was dressed against Maryland. Don't know if they're maybe playing some mind games with Ohio State because they put some weird stuff on film in this game, which is kind of strange. You and I thought this would be a very vanilla game like Indiana in our prediction. It was anything but that. They put a ton on tape, and that could be by design. Do you think maybe what we saw with Donovan Edwards there – jj mccarthy coming in only up 14 and doing some stuff and then also uh, the special teams play which uh, we can talk about later but do you think that they were putting things on tape with ohio state in mind to give them more to look at or were they just kind of running their game plan
3: so there's a thing i'm I'm a big mma fan and in mma like you want to give the guy a lot of things to think about is he punching down the middle is he looping is he coming to the body is he kicking here mid-level coming for the head is he spinning elbows and I think Michigan wanted to put a lot of stuff on tape just to give Ohio State more things to think about offensively and defensively I mean just think about breaking down Michigan's defensive tape with Don Brown it's the same set every play all oh, the running bracket coverage now there's the difference are right, we're gonna key on this backer where he moves Okay, they're doing this. We know what to do. It was so simplistic. It makes a mind like Ryan Day. (laughs) It's like basic algebra for him to solve that. But Mike McDonald is bringing in a level of calculus that's actually going to take some thought and a lot of deception with it as well. So it's like calculus that's changing as you try to solve it.
2: I love your MMA comparison. That was a really good point that I kind of liked it as well. And typically we do how we predicted it would be. Uh, Michigan will, will run like a very conservative game plan right before Ohio State to put nothing on tape. This time they did the opposite, and I like it. It's gonna give them a lot to think about. When J.J. McCarthy comes in, they're not really gonna know what that means necessarily, and maybe we run some stuff. I have to imagine we have some stuff cooked up off of those looks. Uh, I've been saying it for a couple weeks now. I think something's coming off one of those reverse looks that we've been running all year long. I think this is the game you save that look for. So there's still going to be a ton left in their bag, but I like it, giving them stuff to think about, and they've got a ton to prepare for now, especially like you mentioned in your last point, a lot of emerging weapons. Like, I mean, you go a couple guys down the depth chart, and it's like, oh, yeah, well, Roman Wilson, yeah, he could still torch you. You got to watch that guy.
3: And no matter what, no matter how you slice it, you still have a freshman quarterback coming into Ann Arbor, going from the number 130 ranked defense in Michigan State to now what number seven or number eight that Mike McDonald has. So there's going to be a lot more disguise and it's going to be a lot different for him to look at compared to last week when it was just pitch and catch.
2: Most definitely. And uh, I want to save some of that Ohio State talk for the second half of this, but kind of still focusing on uh, Maryland there. We saw once again another great game from D.J. Turner and the secondary in general. Um, you really called the players of the game very well in this one. You, uh, you went with Vincent Gray as the, the standout corner, but it was D.J. Turner in this one. But you called the secondary and you called the Donovan Edwards breakout uh, and you were closer to the final score. Um, Yeah, well done by you. This is an all-around
3: better human, so.
2: (laughs) Yeah, 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 well, yeah. (laughs) All right, then. Um, And my point being that uh, with with the secondary, they showed this week that they can adjust. And there were some throws out there that Turtle Tug of Iloa Iloa left on the field. I still think he's going to be a good quarterback, by the way, down the road. Uh, But he left a lot on the field there. Some stuff that could be cleaned up and clink scale, you know, even in a game where really not being threatened is getting on his guys. So I, I think that this just is a, a defense that's going to be more multiple and it has a vastly, vastly improved secondary.
3: Just so many good things came from this game. And I love your point about clink scale because, yeah, he was all over Rod Moore and RJ Moten and Dax Hill. So those miscommunications in the red zone on the possession, they ended up settling for a field goal. But those are touchdowns against Ohio State. And they wanted to emphasize that. And furthermore, with the coaching staff, Jim Harbaugh coaching up Dan Villari on the sidelines like it's a one score game in a in a bowl game in the national championship, just like in his face, like, hey, Dan, like, this is what you got to see. You got to do this, like very engaged throughout. And that's some of the things this team has been missing
2: it's pretty clear to me that this is a different Jim Harbaugh than we've seen in the last couple of years. I mean, there's enough evidence now, you know, we're, we're 11 games into this thing. We've seen enough to see that he's just not the same guy on the sidelines. And that's a really good example how late in the game, he's still engaged. And it seems like he's enjoying the process more. So yeah, let's not forget about Jim Harbaugh in this when we're going through it. And then uh, while we're on coaches, Jay Harbaugh. And this yep. continues to be excellent. Uh, perhaps his best performance of the season, I would say, as a, as a coach. In fact, it is. You get a block punt. You get that absolutely gorgeous throwback touchdown to A.J. Henning, uh, which is a wonderful call that was kind of like an audible on the fly thing. If you see this, then do that. Um, which is, that's tough to coach. Like, that. Yeah. that's putting faith in your players. So, uh, definite, definite shout out to Jay Harbaugh. Uh, he's eventually going to be an offensive coordinator under Jim Harbaugh. Don't you think? Like, I just see that happening.
3: It has to be the trajectory. I can't believe he's been this good as a special teams coach because this punt block was a completely different scheme than the first one of the season by CJ. Came all, like came up the middle this time, and this one was Matt Torrey, fifth-year or just senior Michigan player, walk-on, gets it straight up the gut, and then the throwback to have the balls to call that and implement and empower your players to make that decision on the field is unbelievable.
2: They were up big at that point too. Like we didn't need to be doing that sort of thing, but yet it comes and they just give them the go ahead to do that. I think that's First of all, it's awesome for your culture because the players loved it. Everyone was like having a ton of fun with that. Recruits are going to see that, Um, you know, the coaches feel good about it. And then I have to imagine as a player, you like playing for coaches that kind of give you that leeway, that give you the ability to audible. JJ McCarthy audibled into that touchdown pass to Mike Sanger which was beautiful, by the way, that was an audible called by a freshman at the line. Like they are really empowering their players this year, man.
3: Another great audible during the game was against Penn State, there was a run, I believe it was a third and one, third and two, and they stacked one side of the line, and we ran right into it and got stuffed. In this game, a similar scenario happened, but Cade audibled out of it, put it to the other side, Haskins five-yard, first down. And just that, that growth, the empowerment and everything you're seeing improvement week to week to week on both sides of the ball. And that's why we feel so good about this team. They're having fun because
2: they're getting better and they're winning. Yes, absolutely. It is. It's become a ton of fun. This is maybe the most fun Michigan team. Like I'm, I think it's the most fun Michigan team. I mean, you and I are getting pretty high on this. The 2016 team was so great for us and we loved a lot of the players, but I think this team has surpassed it for me. And like a game like that, if you really want to give me a takeaway, it's, I had so much fun watching it and it brought back just like a lot of the joy. I mean, there's been a lot of great moments this season, but it's been fun again to watch football and like, at the end of the day, isn't that why we do this? Isn't that why you and I have been doing a podcast together for four years and talking about this because we love watching it? Yeah, I- exactly.
3: It's the it's both sides of the ball. It's the off the field. It's off the field stuff. It's the players speak. It's the coaches talk. Like the twenty eighteen Revenge Tour was a ton of fun, but. I'm sorry, Shay Patterson is not likable. Like He just wasn't super likable, came off arrogant. Cade McNamara, Aiden Hutchinson, all these guys echo the same sentiment, and it comes from Harbaugh. He started the change in the offseason, and they are carrying it, and they're having fun. They're winning games, and it's like they're really enjoying it. And even former players are tweeting, like, I haven't seen a Michigan team this happy since 2016. Like, everyone is so bought in, so invested. Mikey Sander still in his press conference this week saying there's no coach I'd rather play for because he wants everything for us and he's doing everything to empower us. Maybe emotional.
2: It really did. There's been a lot of stuff like that. Cade McNamara saying, yeah, they're a good team, but we're a good team. Just they, they say the right things, and it doesn't seem like they're trying to put up any bulletin board material. They kind of just ride for each other and for this team. It's very easy to like this entire team. And my favorite player of the Jim Harbaugh era, Aiden Hutchinson, once again with another good game against Maryland. Uh, did he? I don't think he got credited with a sack in this one, even though he was super disruptive.
3: Still one behind his dad and two off the Michigan record.
2: Well, he's got a pretty big one. If you're going to do it, I, I would say next week's a, uh, a good one to do it. Um, any other talking points from Maryland that we missed? I mean, there was a lot of it, but I know we want to get to Ohio State. We're already starting to bleed into it. I can see you over there scratching your neck like a crack addict.
3: I am. I'm putting on sunglasses right now while indoors. It is, it is enough with the foreplay, Jared. Let's give the people what they want. Let's get to Ohio State.
2: I agree. And before we do, one moment to talk about our people over at Homefield Apparel out of Indianapolis, where we will be headed soon enough. Just, <laughs> just mark my words. The best, most incredibly comfortable, affordable sportswear brand. I rock them at least three times a week. It was becoming a problem with all the Homefield Apparel stuff showing up at my house. But that's not really a problem because they've got you covered with old school, new school, and you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Go check them out, especially this week. It's rivalry week. If you're wearing red this week, there's something wrong with you. Andy's sunglasses. I think he just traded out sunglasses for a slightly larger pair of sunglasses. The energy. Um, It's basically covering 48% of his face. Um, I, I see he's got about six things of lotion in the background right now. This is a man ready to talk about Ohio State, and I'm here for it, brother. I've been waiting for this
3: all week. All season, I mean, since last, we didn't get the game last year, kind of, thank God. But um, it's just still, it felt like something was missing from our life. Like it felt very apathetic, the whole season did last year. But now to have this game, 10-1 versus 10-1 in Ann Arbor. First time in Ann Arbor with one or fewer losses since 97. The way this team has responded, cleansed the tastes from Michigan State. Ohio State looking like the juggernaut that they are, stomping on JJ McCarthy's jersey in the locker room. Just, it's back. Like I don't, I, I hate the. It's not a rivalry because we haven't won in a long time. I hate that talk. My brother beat my ass all the time as a kid, and it's still the rivalry. People don't forget, and I eventually got my W, and the Wolverines will too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> What a monologue! That was like Pacino esque, man. Thank that you. was that was glorious. Um, tons, tons to break down with uh, that wonderful monologue and uh, with some of the things that you said in there. I want to start at the beginning. What are some of your earliest memories of this rivalry? And kind of give me just a brief snapshot of what this rivalry means to you.
3: This rivalry means everything to me because I've never watched Michigan beat Ohio State live.
2: At like while in the in attendance,
3: no. I've never on television on television. Oh, that's
2: right. Because you weren't able to watch 2011. You're in the car.
3: Exactly. I listened to it on the radio and in 2003 when I was 11 was the first after that game is when I became a Michigan fan. I saw Chris Perry. I started looking into Michigan. I was kind of looking for my own thing at that time with my family had their own interests in different teams and I found it. So it came after that year. And so I was really invested in 06, and then Rich Rod went there, and I thought things were coming. They didn't. 11, I was driving in a car. 13, obviously fell apart. 16 is what it is. I was at 15 as well. You and I were at 19 at a bar in Ann Arbor watching, and I've never witnessed it live, so it feels so mythical to me. So to get this win would be like a new beginning for Michigan fandom for myself
2: so crazy to even think that that like you're not a recent michigan fan by any stretch like you've been yeah. over half your life a michigan fan and you've never even been able to seen one live because you happen to miss the one yeah that's been like the most recent one and that's that is you know a testament to how rough it's been and Man, that's crazy. I want this one for you now. <laughs> you and gotta, I'm going and to be. One. Yeah, I will yeah, be there be in it. the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you'll be rushing the field. And uh, yes. if we win and we do rush the field, if you need to find Andy in the chaos in the post game broadcast, just look for like the Marlboro red smoke, <laughs> just like pluming for, from somewhere in the center. Look for the man that's grabbing hold of Aiden Hutchinson's leg and, and clutching it like it's <laughs> a loved one.
3: Gl- literally grabbing his leg with sunglasses too big for his face, smoking three cigarettes at the same time that's me <laughs>
2: that's gonna be you yeah and, and you deserve it man I want this one for you now too but there is a whole generation of fans that just don't know anything but Michigan losing in this rivalry uh, for me I became a fan in 1997 I was nine years old at the time um, so watching with my dad during the Woodson run and you know that it makes sense to get into it that season because yeah. he was super into it yeah. you know so that's that became something that I really enjoyed and and it, you know, the years that followed the 2003 one, I was still pretty young, uh, really enjoyed it. The 06 one was the biggest thing on the planet for me. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about kind of some of those individual games uh, here in a moment. Um, but yeah, for me, it, uh, it, it lost some of its luster in recent years. You get a little bit older, you don't see the victories for a while. 2011 was obviously great, bought me a little breathing room. Uh, but the 16 one and then the 18 one really demoralized me. And it means a little bit less. I moved away from Toledo, Ohio, where I grew up, which is kind of the focal point of the rivalry in that documentary called uh, The Game, I believe. They they focus on Toledo, Ohio. We have the Ohio State-Michigan store there that's divided in two. And that kind of sums up what it's like to grow up in that part of, of Ohio, which was at one point Michigan. It is disputed territory, and it's brutal if you lose and you have to go to school the next day. It is brutal. Like kids are 15-year-olds are mean, man. K-
3: kids are mean in
2: general. So <laughs> I don't have any great
3: documentary by the way. I know exactly what you're talking about from HBO. Watching it again yep. on Thursday. I mean, as sure. for, I watch per, it every year per it's tradition. Great. So, no, man, this just it has so much more meaning and I think this year feels so much more juiced in because 18 and 19 were just complete beatdowns, but not having it last year like it, it kind of helped get a little distance from the wound. You know, and the way this season has progressed with preseason unranked, all the low expectations, and to building in what it is and how, who the players are and how the coaches have responded really gets that buy-in back and has really reignited my passion because you and I from 2020 outside of football to 2020 with football were pretty beaten down, and to have life return to some form of normalcy, things pick up, and now this football season go the way it is, it just feels all the way back in my opinion.
2: It really does, and I mean the last thing we, the, the last little piece, the uh, the icing on the cake will be the victory here. Um, but on a macro level, this rivalry used to be the biggest in sports, and in that documentary, they kind of talk about how it's this or Yankees Red Sox, and then there's a big gap. Yeah. Like, it's those two at the top, and Yankees-Red Sox maybe has gone above this one because of the recent records, but there's not really anything beyond that. Like, the Iron Bowl, get out of here. Like, no, I'm not even going to consider that. That's ridiculous. Florida-Georgia, no. No. No, everybody's so drunk at that game, no one's even paying attention. I've been to it; it's it's, <laughs> it's nonsensical. It is this, and it's Yankees Red Sox. So on a macro level, if we can get this victory, just this, even though the record's still going to look lopsided, is going to be enough to bring this back to the national conversation. Um, it's going to do a ton for recruiting, and it's it's just going to be like good triumphing over evil. This isn't some sort of like gray area thing. This is Sauron versus the forces of man in Lord of Rings.
3: It's exactly, what, and we're gonna hold the Hornberg here, and we're gonna run the damn ball. <laughs> Read my article, uh, but <laughs> a hundred percent, man. Like you were dead on with this. I know so many fans here of other teams that just hate Ohio State because of their dominance for the last decade. They get sick of it. And I'm sure it's the same way in the South with non-Alabama fans. You just get tired of the same thing over and over again. So a lot of people are really pulling for Michigan in this one. Restore the balance and. I agree with you. It's up there with Yankees, Red Sox. But the thing is, nobody really cares about baseball. And then you bring it down to the college level, and it's the most popular sport in the country. There's just so much more passion and energy built into this one. And a win in this reignites everything, sparks recruiting. This is the next three years of Michigan on the line.
2: It it really is that big. And um, it's also, you know, kind of to add to your point there. Michigan is always among, if not the most watched team in the nation. When Michigan is good, I mean, I believe Michigan-Michigan State was the most watched game of the year. I believe it still is.
3: I still believe it
2: still is up until this Saturday when Michigan-Ohio is going to overtake that. Mm -hmm. The eyes of the nation are on this every year, even when Michigan isn't that good. It's it still means something nationally because there's enough people, you know, the old heads which unfortunately it's getting to be the old heads that remember the 10 year war and stuff. I mean, those, those people are, they're up there now. Those are boomers, but there's still people out there that remember it and want to get back to that. And there were still some awesome moments in the nineties and, and, the, you know, some, some in the two thousands, but it's, it's getting to the point where a lot of younger people don't remember. So we need to bring that back and we need to bring back the luster of this thing and whew, what an opportunity to do it. That's why I think this
3: team is so important because it has people like Aiden Hutchinson and Cade McNamara. Aiden Hutchinson, legacy. He wants to. He's always said he wants to be the guy that beats Ohio State, that breaks the streak. Cade McNamara almost was crying basically after the Penn State game, talking about players like Andrew Vastardis, how he's been. His class wanted to come in here and be the one to change the narrative, and they're all well on their way to doing that. They care so much about the rival. They have such a profound respect for it. You don't just bring that in year in and year out. This is the opportunity and we have the right guys in place to do
2: it. Random tangent. I've got a potential nickname idea for Andrew Vestardis. Go. The Nasty Vasty.
3: I'm 100% in. (laughs) His nickname is V, but any name with nasty already has my cosign.
2: That's what I'm saying. I mean, the dudes for a 41-year-old man, he is out there like Andrew Whitworth on the Rams, just dominating people week in and week out. He's older than Andrew Whitworth, I think. <laughs> that's what that's we're gonna do a ton of
3: postseason content on this season, but that's one of them. Andrew Vastardis becoming the dominant force on this offensive line is nothing we could have dreamed about.
2: No, absolutely not. All right. Uh well, you know what? Let's actually let us do this before the break. Okay. I want to talk about three games with you and just like some some talking points 2006 Michigan Ohio State 42 39 number 1 versus number 2 undefeated coming in Go, it's at the horseshoe which if you tell you could tell me a million times we would play that and in Ann Arbor we're winning that game i just i don't have any other thoughts on it uh 42 39 in the game of the century that one's going to be tough to top uh, the 2016 one obviously we'll get to in a moment what are your memories from that 2006 game
3: First time I cried from, <laughs> from a Michigan game as a fan, 100%. It just devastated me because coming in after 03, I like had seen the losses in 04 and 05. And they'd lose? Yeah. Yeah, they did. And then coming into the 06, I'm like, this is it. We're going to do it. That was the first time I'd been to a Michigan game live. I was at, no, it was the next season. I Excuse me. But that year, I was like, this is it. This is what good is supposed to do. It's supposed to conquer evil. And then it didn't. And it just crushed me. I remember Mike Hart doing everything he could, but then I remember Troy Smith just completing, completing, completing. So good. On his way to winning the Heisman. I was like, why can't we get pressure on him? And just learning about football, man. It's just like, it was my first true heartache as a Michigan fan.
2: A little different for me. That was peak rivalry. I was still in Toledo. I had just graduated. Still had a million friends, both on both sides of the aisle, Michigan and Ohio State. I quit my job on Thursday so we could party for three straight days. Respect. We, we didn't really sleep Friday. We slept about three hours. Woke everyone up to the Michigan fight song at seven a.m. We loaded into the cars. Went to my buddy's house. Um, his grandparents were out of town. Big screen in the basement. Everybody's over there. Like we're in Ohio, in Toledo. Um, and I loved it. Like, even though we lost, like it was one of those losses where it was such a great game and it lived up to the hype and it was, a you know, it could have gone either way that it just felt like, man, great to be a part of that. And it sucked that we lost, um, especially since we got matched up with USC and Ohio state got matched up with Florida and we both lost our bowl games. Um, and it really kind of killed the end of that season where it felt like we matched up better against Florida. They matched up better against USC, but I digress. So I have a little bit better memory of that, even though it stung and it was the game of the century. That one didn't hurt as much. All right, next one I wanted to touch on: 2011, the win, uh, the last win. You already mentioned you were in the car for that one. So, any other thoughts? Man, we won. (laughs) How good did
3: that feel? A decade ago. I just remember I was 20. (laughs) I'm turning 30 next week. Good (laughs) boy. So I remember just being in the car screaming when Denard Robinson broke this uh the first run of the game and tied the game up seven seven after they'd gone up early. And I remember the scream in my car also on the game winning or game winning interception to seal it because I didn't think winning was possible. I just I, I hadn't seen it and then the pick happened and then it finally set in that we're gonna kneel this thing out
2: and we're gonna win the game. Do you remember who had the game winning interception?
3: Oh, God, you asked this all my time like a wife trying to remember her anniversary, and I always forget
2: mm-hmm. yeah, I understand. Well, you're better at remembering random players. So I figured you'd have this one. It's very true, I am, but at this, I'm found wanting. I believe it's Courtney Avery. I think you're
3: I think you're dead on. Yeah, yeah,
2: I believe so. Um, my memories of that game not gonna go too much into it. It was the last time we won, and it felt a little cheap because they had an interim head coach, and Luke fickle, worst- baby. Luke Fickle already beat him, don't need to see him again. <laughs> uh, but in that game, I remember Denard Robinson 14 of 17 passing for 167 and three tutties, 26 yard uh, carries, 170 yards rushing, two touchdowns, accounted for five touchdowns, and beat Ohio State. I want one point I wanted to make about this do we not, even though he's a very celebrated Michigan figure, give him kind of that legendary status that he might deserve? Maybe it's. I'm very
3: mixed with Denard. I think you're right, but we always remember in big games when you just couldn't complete the ball like accurately at a lot of different times in 11 it was like a lot, receivers like junior hemingway making crazy absurd catches it's, in games. the
2: bowl game makes no sense that year makes, the bowl game no. makes, he completed like four passes they're all touchdowns it,
3: it was it was ridiculous so i think that hangs over him a little bit but no his peak and everything i definitely was taken for granted but it came at such a weird time with the rich rod era ending and hoke taking over so things had kind of been tainted for him i think he deserves a few more flowers especially in retrospect with how dynamic he was. But we all remember the pain of watching him complete an eight-yard throw.
2: Yeah, no, I'm absolutely (laughs) with you, man. Um, One more classic to revisit, 2016. Um, We've already done a whole podcast on it. It's by far the most painful one. Um, So we won't go too deep into this one, but just give me like a a brief synopsis of, of your memories of that game and what you think about it now. Pain. (laughs) <laughs> that yeah i agree here
3: <laughs> misery this was a the second to last game before you and i started podcasting together i remember i was dressed up as jim harbaugh i was at my i was at home base at my house safe environment few friends over that were you no know, welcome and i remember just like we stopped them and i remember jumping up and down screaming like we just won the, we did it like hugging everybody and then they reviewed everything they called it i just remember feeling like i'd just been stabbed Like, I felt so betrayed by everything. A game of complete ups and downs, swings, which it probably will be Saturday as well. The Wilton Spate off the back foot, pick six, the Malik Hooker, letting him back in the game. Uh, Granted, playing through injury and like a broken collarbone. So, no shade. But I just remember the sheer devastation of that. I've never felt, not even trouble with the snap was like this. Like, this one hurt above all football games for me.
2: Correct. I mean, you said it perfectly. I was in a different situation. I was in Ohio. I had uh, one Michigan fan, one Ohio State fan, and then my stepdad, Michigan fan, and my mom. So it was safe environment. Um, We really dominated that game uh, physically, um, horribly officiated. I still think overall worse officiated than the Michigan State game this year. If you're talking about up and up and down, I mean, there were some egregious Amara Darbo got thrown to the turf and the ball went sailing over him it was one of the worst calls i've ever seen uh, so i remember that and yeah i just remember feeling like we we were robbed because we played better and we stopped him at the end we did what we were supposed to do and we couldn't have it and in hindsight you look back on that game it is the most single defining moment of maybe any coach that's still working's career because you you get that stop or one call goes our way not only is Jim Harbaugh not on the hot seat; he's yes he tenure. Yeah, he has tenure. He's he's absolutely one of the hottest coaches in the game, and now he's you know he's like the fourth highest paid coach in the Big Ten. So it is no one game has changed history more, <laughs> at least yeah. in our history, than that game.
3: Yeah, it, it's we rewatched it this summer for a series we were doing, and it was. Unbelievable to watch. There were several miscues by Michigan and Ohio State, but the officiating was just terrible. And it's interesting you note, Michigan State game this year, Ohio State game that year, both games on the road. Finally,
2: for a big game, we are at home, baby. Let's go. And that's a great place to take a break. When we come back, you know what's coming. We're going to talk about that and only that right after this.
1: At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Welcome back to Out of the Blue, my people. It's the week we all wait for every single year. There's nothing I look forward to more than this. I mean, I've met some lovely women. I've graduated college several times now. At this point, I've seen my family on Thanksgiving, and it's great. This, this is what you look forward to. It's this week. It's Michigan, Ohio State for all the marbles. You and I are going to talk about this ad nauseum. I hope you're ready for it this is what I was born to do, is the
3: podcast and talk about Michigan, Ohio State. As a child, I dreamt of this. Like you this is with, podcast. I dreamt of podcasting with you wearing sunglasses and drinking Budweiser's. Like this is I've peaked. Like this could be the best two-week stretch of my life. I'm going to the game this weekend. Come by the blue by 90 tailgate. Hang out with me. Please. Let's let's spit gas together. Go into the game, and then I turn 30 the next week. All my friends are coming in. I might just die of happiness. Just take me away like this. I can't do any better than this.
2: Not all your friends are coming in, you dick.
3: (laughs) I'm sorry. If you weren't moving across the world to a different hemisphere, we would be in Ann Arbor together and then you'd be here with me.
2: Exactly. That is is exactly right. Uh, Where is that blue by 90 tailgate, by the way?
3: I believe it's in the Pioneer parking lot. I don't know which corner. I mean, they have a big sign, so it's pretty easy to find.
2: Yeah, they'll uh, just just stay on the lookout for that. They'll put out where that's going to be. I think I actually saw something on Twitter before we logged in about that. But yeah, that's awesome that you're going to this game, man. Um, all right. We got to get into this thing here. Oh, There's God. so much to talk about. Um, let's go ahead and start. <sighs> this game's at home. All right. You mentioned that earlier. Obviously, that that matters. What is home field matter to you in this game? It it seems like in this game it doesn't matter as much as in some other games. Ohio State definitely shows out to these games. They travel really well, most be, mostly because their fans are unemployed and on government checks, and they don't have anything going on, True. so so they can make their way up there. But is home field a big deal to you in this? A big deal. It is
3: massive in this game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> in
3: every game we touched on before had been on the road, and all these biggest, all these big situations. But you think about. Non Covid year, big Michigan games at home. Trouble with the snap, boo hoo, mistake, fluke, it happens. But then you think about you think about eighteen. You have who was there in eighteen? Wisconsin, Penn State, just back-to-back 19 you had michigan state notre dame all the big ones on your schedule you check off on those years like you bring them to the big house they become a lot more vulnerable it's especially when you incorporate one hundred and ten thousand screaming fans this week because last year covid wisconsin comes in hangs almost a 50 burger there's nobody there but cardboard that doesn't count like this is a lot different all of ohio state's big game their hardest road game was nebraska which Can be a tough environment, but already a defeated Nebraska team. And that was a close game. I believe it was, it was final score was by nine. So very close game. Then that every other big game has been at home, Oregon, home, Penn State, home, Michigan State, home. Now, freshman CJ Stroud has to come into the big house to get this one. That means a lot.
2: I think that it does as well. The freshman quarterback, CJ Stroud is uh, a good good point to bring up there in the sense that he hasn't faced that kind of adversity yet. Um, it'll be about 102,000 Michigan fans because they are going to show up. If you're a Michigan fan that's listening to this, that might sell your season tickets. I doubt there's many of them that are listeners to this pod because that's probably a bunch of like 60 year olds that don't know what's going on in the program. Uh, and someone offers you money, do not sell it to an Ohio state fan, please do not. I want it to be all maize, preferably all maize in there, but Um, they're not doing the maze out, but there will be the pom poms. The atmosphere needs to be as electric as Michigan fans can possibly make it. I mean, I know Washington 2.0. Exactly. I want Washington dialed up. And I know that one was at night. You're just going to have to get drunk earlier. I'm sorry. Suck it up.
3: Say less. It's November. It's the biggest game of the year.
2: (laughs) Twist my arm. (laughs) Not worried about you. I'm just saying everyone else, if you're going to this game, it's got to be the best environment that we can absolutely give them because it will matter with the freshman quarterback back there. Now, granted, he is a freshman quarterback that is above average. He is now right up there in the Heisman race. Um, after last week's game. So let's kind of touch on what you saw from Ohio State last week against Michigan State, um, where Kenneth Walker got six touches. Hey, he had seven. He had one receiving My catch. mistake. <laughs> so less
3: than two touches a quarter for Kenneth Walker, an abhorrent game plan. What Ohio State did to Michigan State can only be found in the book of Revelation. It was <laughs> just a complete beating. I woke up to a myriad of texts. I was hanging out with a lady and I looked at my phone, had a bunch of texts. I'm like, okay, they're up 21 nothing, 14 nothing at half. Nope, 49. This game was a crucifixion. It was an absolute beatdown and embarrassment of all proportions. I couldn't believe it. But again, when you look down to the finer print of a uh, terrible game plan, it's in Columbus against the number 130 pass defense. This was like... This was Brett Bielema at like Ribfest for Ryan Day. That's what he. This is what this was like. He was like he just slapped up and picked them apart one by one schematically.
2: It's like Brett Bielema walking into the wedding between a, a butcher and a carnivore, and he, just, <laughs> he sees what's going on over at the buffet table. What? What is this? I mean, one thirty pass defense. I believe they were worse in the nation before this game. Yeah, they are four hundred yards worse than the number one twenty nine team. They are the worst. By, I mean, it is it is abysmal. And it's kind of surprising that they've been able to win this many games and maybe strengthens Kenneth Walker's Heisman conversation. But once again, you talk about their offensive game plan, they gave it to him seven times. So that's not going to cut it. So I like your point there that I'm not going to read too much into that by far the best game of C.J. Stroud's career against an abysmal and awful pass defense. So that makes me feel a little bit better. Now, their defense in that game does give me a little cause for pause.
3: They much improved. Their defense has been very hot the last month. They're getting better. But what makes you one silver lining in there? Although the pass rushes have been getting home more, secondary has shored up a little bit. Hasn't been you know too much to face. You get a banged up Penn State running back group. You get Jahan Dotson at receiver and not much else. And he still went crazier against them than he did Michigan. And again, it was at home. But their biggest weakness, which has given Michigan's offense trouble all year, is the linebacker position, and they are weak there.
2: I agree with you. Their strength is at their defensive tackle position, and that's going to be Haskell Garrett there really right front and center. That's a guy that can get serious penetration. Him against uh, Nasty Vasty is going to be something to watch all day long. Uh, Tyleek Williams, the other defensive tackle, um, so he'll be up against one of the guards either time. They have improved. They are young in the back half of this defense, though. Really, the strength of the defense is the defensive line. And then the linebackers have been rough. And the, the corners are all young, very, very young, including the safeties. There's not a lot of proven guys back there. So I think there is an opportunity to score on this defense. I don't know what happened with Michigan State's offense to get blanked like that that was I mean Mel Tucker maybe it was getting all that money and he's like I'm good now I can just stop trying Um, because that was a really poor performance by them and really poor game plan to not use Kenneth Walker and um, I mean I guess maybe he was trying to help Ohio State by not giving us anything to see on tape to attack because they couldn't get anything going in that game but I don't necessarily think that's a case of a dominant defense that's somehow become one of the top five in the country. I think that they just didn't have the passing game um, to attack the second level of that defense like they'd like to. And then you just don't give Kenneth Walker any carries, which is fireable (laughs) offense, but instead give him 90 million, whatever you want to do. It's, it was a
3: perfect storm. It was a lot coming into it wrong on the Michigan state side and a lot coming in right on the Ohio state side. We would be pissed if Hassan Haskins had seven carries you have and Kenneth Walker had six carries in this game. Like, I, you get down. That's not an excuse. Like I said, that's less than two touches a quarter for the whole game. Like, you don't panic like that. When Peyton Thorne threw the pick to R.J. Moten against Michigan, how they get back in this thing? Kenneth Walker, over and over, no matter what. That You're down 16 in the third quarter. Don't tell me they panicked against Ohio State. Maybe they did, and they just completely threw it out the window but it was a complete perfect storm of ineptitude, fear, panic on their end and then Ohio State growing and just feeding all into all their strength. You can't play catch up against Ohio State like that. It's just impossible.
2: No, and I don't want to diminish what Ohio State did by any measure. They were they played the best game of their season last week. It was their best win of the year. Uh, CJ Stroud in the first half had 32 of 35 completions for six touchdowns in the first half. Uh, that is preposterous. Can't take that away from him. Um, all right, a c- couple of questions for you. I'm going to start throwing them at you. Let's Who go. scares you the most on the Ohio State offense?
3: This is going to surprise you. Hit me. Travion Henderson.
2: It might be the same.
3: It's um, whoever's won the rushing battle in Michigan, Ohio State, has won every game since the year 2000. Two decades worth of like money on this. The kid is deadly fast, deadly fast. And you miss one tackle on him, he could take it to the house. So I think stopping the run with them, is the most essential thing. It's a common myth that, hey, they, they throw the ball, they throw the ball. No, they, they establish the run more often than not with him. And if he you slow him down a little bit, then you can back off and kind of put a couple more people in coverage and do different things. But if Ohio State can establish the run, you're in a lot of trouble.
2: I love your point, and I was going to kind of lean that way, but since you already made that point, I will zag slightly. Um, CJ Stroud, if he is off key in this game and we're able to hit him, and get him kind of off of his cues and he can't get to his third read, um, you could maybe neutralize him. But I'll go with one of those receivers because they have three of them that are going to the NFL. And I'll go with Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's really been coming on. And, you know, everyone looks at Olave and Wilson as one and two. But if this guy is your number three, that means he's going to be up against, I don't know who's going to be healthy in this game. Hopefully, Jamon Green is back at full strength. He was back against Maryland. I don't think we saw him much.
3: I don't think he played, but the word is he's gonna he's going to be back in this game. So
2: okay, so I mean you're gonna have some type of matchup of like Jamon Green against Jackson Smith or Dax Hill. Or Dax Hill. Yeah, Dax Hill might be playing a lot more coverage in this one. I could very much see that. So, uh, yeah, the third guy, because uh, I think you and I feel pretty good about DJ Turner. Vincent Gray has had a sneaky great season. Mm-hmm. I think we feel a lot better about him. They're going to have their safeties helping in this one. But that third wide receiver, um, especially if they're using him across the middle and our linebackers are needing to, to match up with Smith and Jigba, that's that's problematic. So, that's- you know, you, they're, they're three deep there.
3: No game has a pass rush been more important. You have to get pressure on Stroud and make him uncomfortable. And I'll have to look back at the stats, but what Michigan can do, especially at home with the crowd and the noise, to get them off rhythm, and we'll get to our key points later, but if you can get some pressure in his face, like we rattled Sean Clifford, a three-year starter at home from hitting him so many times. If you get in his face and you hit him time and time again, he's a human being that's going to disrupt him. Get in his mind and make it a lot harder to get to that third read.
2: I like that. All right, that leads me into my next talk, talking point. How do you attack this Ohio State defense? From what you've seen,
3: like we've said all season, and like you and I talk about in all facets of life, establish the run, my friend. It's with their linebackers. I think we can get to the second level. I think I like Vastardis matching up on the defensive tackle there. I like the gap schemes they've been running especially I like the one-on-one matchups if they run man coverage with their linebackers against our running backs in pass coverage. I think our, the key for them is tight ends and running backs. Whoever's going to exploit those linebacker one-on-ones, and I think Gaddis is aware of that, and you got to pick them apart one at a time and take your shots when they present themselves, but don't get away from running the ball and exploiting the one-on-ones that are clearly there for you.
2: I so agree with you, and it seems so obvious, that, and we're going to circle back to that, but I want to bring up Penn State versus Ohio State this year. Uh, Really close game, came down to kind of the final couple minutes there. In that game, Penn State outgained Ohio State through the air, 361-305. to They also only had 33 rushing yards to Ohio State's 161. So there is an opportunity to attack these secondaries. There is an opportunity to attack these linebackers, and it doesn't have to be on the ground. But that being said, I'm going to totally pull a 180 and go back to what you said, because the history of this game speaks more than what happened in that one game between Penn State and Ohio State. Historically, the team that wins this rushing battle will win it. After what we saw last week, I think that you need to keep the ball out of C.J. Stroud's hands. The best way to get stopped is going to be to give them fewer opportunities on offense. You know, if you can hold the ball for seven minutes instead of three and a half on a drive, you're cutting their possessions in half and giving him fewer opportunities, giving your pass rush more opportunities to impact this game. So absolutely, you need to run it. And I'll go one step further You need to run it with Haskins a lot. That style of running, if he can just get 4.8 yards per carry or something like that and be really punishing those linebackers, you're going to establish a tone in this game. And I know that's some Joel Klatt 2021 analysis, but it matters in this game.
3: Two things. One, we should have run Haskins more against Michigan State. I think that was a full I like the balance with Corham, but Haskins is the workhorse, and now he's fresh after last week. So, yes, a lot of us on Haskins. Um, how hard is he going to run in this game against Ohio State to change the narrative? I, I would not want to be within 40 yards of Asan Haskins running at me because I'd go for the legs and he's gonna jump over me, and make me look like a clown. And absolutely. <laughs> and secondly, with this team like sticking to the run and the whole like Joel Clat point. You're just going to wear down this Ohio State team. Like you just have to stick to it and have an early and often commitment to everything that's going to go through it. And to quote a Bill Belichickism, you have to make Ohio State play in the half court. They're a fast break team, so you need to take ch- just shorten the game up, make them play in the half court, and get them off rhythm. So if we can t- control half a quarters with drives, four drives of seven and a half minutes,
2: let's go. I'm with it. All right, we're gonna get back into keys of the game, players of the game, all that stuff. Want to talk about some off the field stuff real quick and, and how that plays into this matchup? Ryan Day, a notorious douchebag, um, definitely one of the worst living human beings on the planet. I think that People Magazine ranked him right up there. Uh, he was just below that guy that charged a bunch of money for like the AIDS medication. Um, Martin Skrelly. Yeah, yeah, he's he's right up there with Martin Skrelly. Had the had the quote. We want to hang 100 on them, and they probably would have had they have played us. He gives his team a different kind of motivation, and he goes about it a different way. What do you think that, the A, the history of the, the rivalry recently, and then, B, that whole Ryan Day smarmy attitude, does that sort of thing, does it give them bulletin board material in the locker room? Does it give them an extra level of hatred and anger in this? There's so much more fire on the Michigan side of this rivalry
3: than the Ohio State side this year than ever have before. To be. Hang a hundred is probably everywhere in every defensive meeting that Klinkscale, McDonald, all the guys are having. They're gonna hang a hundred on you. They have this much respect for you. And most of those guys were there last year. It's like that's what he thinks about you as a player. They're gonna put up a hundred. So yeah, but on top of that and stomping on the McCarthy Jersey.
2: He's a There's, backup quarterback. You're stomping on the backup quarterbacks Jersey. That is weak Dick energy. All of it. All of it is just building into this. It's like,
3: you're just fueling all of this fire. Like the, the disrespect that they, most people, anybody you talk to, like an Ohio state fan bet me that Michigan can't keep within than two touchdowns, two touchdowns, like just, all the disrespect has been everywhere. It's inundating this program. They have the beat Ohio drill every week. Like, no. Like hang a hundred, I guarantee, is hung up all over every defensive player's locker. Guarantee it.
2: I have to agree with you. I don't know about the hang 100 part or that specifically or the stomping on the jersey, but I agree with the point you made in there. There's no way that the people on the Ohio State sideline care more about it than the people on the Michigan sideline this time. They are primarily the Ohio State team, a bunch of just five stars from all over the country, not a ton of Ohio guys. They're just there to, to go to the NFL and probably get some like free tattoos or whatever it is that they do <laughs> down there in Columbus. I think they're paying their players in meth because Columbus is awful, (laughs) but whatever they're doing down there, I just don't think that it means more to them than it does to this Michigan team this year, because what would it be? It'd be another trip to a national, to the, to the playoffs. It'd be another trip to the big 10. They've had it. And for big, for the, the Michigan players, they've just had to hear how that isn't them and that's not them and how it used to be and what they're not. And now they get a chance to prove what they are. And this is a different team than we've had in the past. And it's the best coaching staff we've had for this game. It is an adaptable young coaching staff. It's a different team, and that sort of nonsense, that sort of talk, all your smack. I just don't. I just don't think that it's going to work out for them this time. Eventually, good triumphs over evil, and the ring is destroyed in the fires of Mordor. There is so much elitism
3: on their side, and blue-collar energy on this Michigan side, having gone through a two-and-four season having fans and everybody turn against you. There was nobody supporting this team bringing back Jim Harbaugh. There was nobody around. Even no, you, you and, and I, I
2: even turned at the end.
3: We are guilty of that. Nobody was supporting that move, and they did it. And all the players point to him for the change. Like, I want to go to battle for this guy because he believes in us. And it's, it's always been Michigan versus everybody, even us, against
2: us as well. And they've proved us wrong all season long. So why not once more? Man, getting goosebumps on this one. This is great. All right, next question. What does a blowout mean? Either way with this, we blow them out, they blow us out. What does a close loss mean? And what does a win mean for the program? So all three potential options. We blow them out. I might never see the light of day again. because No, I'll the be podcast sc- will be over because probably both of us are dead.
3: <laughs> like yeah, They just went on benders that never ended. They died.
2: Um, <laughs> they don't exist. They went Jim Belushi on us.
3: A blowout to the- <laughs> Jesus, blow out to them, uh, us blowing them out would just be a complete turning of the tide. Everything changes. I mean, completely flipped on its head, not just a win. It's we embarrassed you. Michigan is back. I mean, unresoundingly so. If they blow us out, it really hurts. It stings really bad. But again, it's kind of like, okay, we're close, but not there. Makes you kind of second guess. Can Harbaugh get the big one? Or is this just what we're subjected to? It's a great Ohio State team because that's very possible
2: uh fully agree if we blow them out the next time you see me if you ever see me i'm gonna walk in like tracy jordan wearing like a mink coat a bunch of chains and surrounded by strippers i'm gonna yes. act as though i had won the lottery i'm gonna take out like sixty thousand dollars in loans like buscemi and armageddon a hundred percent i'm good i'm acting a fool
3: I have, I, next week go- on the pod when you're in thailand and we're just here spitting gas talking about the game like just hold us back <laughs>
2: It's going to be ridiculous. I'm going to be drinking Cobra Venom, which is accessible in Thailand. (laughs) Um, If they blow us out, that is the one thing that cannot happen to have this be a successful season. If it's a blowout again, it almost is going to be like, well, what can we do? Like, we did everything we could do to match that. I don't think that will happen, so I don't really want to put too much into that. All right. What about a close loss? a close loss so we're
3: talking like 2013 42 41 we're talking 16 heartbreak we're talking 06 game of the century mm-hmm. it feels like we're get. it feels like we're almost there it feels like we're going to the Rose Bowl we can win that and go 11 and two and build some momentum and try to again try to summit that monster in Mount Columbus and keep working towards it if it's a close loss it would it would still sting but if it's one of those, like I just mentioned, one of those mission games, maybe save 16, and it's not a ref-screwed-us kind of thing, Right, I'm still going to feel good. But if it's a ref-screwed-us thing, I'm going to feel better, but it's going to hurt more because I felt like, again, it was ripped from us. But the fact that it's at home, I don't think it could ever be like that.
2: If we lose, no matter by the the point differential there, I think that that makes the Rose Bowl very critical because yeah. that's going to make sure the season ends on a different note, and that will be progress, and that will give you faith that next year's team could be awesome. It could yeah. be the best team we've ever fielded, depending on who goes to the NFL. So there's reason to be optimistic. But, uh, yeah, a close loss, like you said, if it's the refs, I don't even want to really comprehend what that could mean. I don't want to do that again. We can't keep having that happen. Um, But overall, a win for the program, you kind of mentioned it. It means everything. It turns recruiting around. What does it mean necessarily for the harbaugh era do we see our coaches leaving and getting signed elsewhere is harbaugh looking somewhere else i mean he's going to earn that bonus by going to the big 10 championship clink scale is going to get a big pay raise i mean kind of what what would that mean for the whole program this is the next three years of the program will johnson five-star
3: corner state record holder in the 100 meter in california usc commit, five-star cornerback is going to be there this could change everything for this program. Recruiting picks up. We get back in the top 10. Harbaugh probably gets a probably gets that contract extended, maybe some more incentives in there because that's how monumental 11 and 1 in beating Ohio State is. Maybe Gaddis leaves. You bring Sharon Moore right into it, he's already co-OC. Like it just puts Michigan where they where we thought we were in the mid 2000s with Lloyd Carr towards the end. It brings us back to like the 97. Like this it answers everything a win you and i talked about this offline what happens if we lose the big 10 championship hey we still beat ohio state that means so much more i'm sorry beating ohio state means more to me than winning a big 10 championship it really does because of the rivalry and the hate and everything that goes into it and the fact that it's been 10 years and we had a chance at it every year and we couldn't get it done that means more to me than
2: that You're 100% correct with everything that you're saying there. It's going to change the narrative. Harbaugh, as it stands right now, is about to be paid about $4.5 million for this season. James Franklin just got an extension for $85 million. Uh, Mel Tucker's making more than anyone else in the state of Michigan. What a deal we're going to get if we have an 11-1 coach at $4.5 million. It's going to shut up every media analyst that claims he's the most overrated. He's no longer even in the top 10 or I don't even think top 15 highest paid college football coaches. It's going to shut up that narrative. It is once again, and and what's great about this is even though he hasn't gotten it done yet, he's put himself in a position to do it yet again. And we should give him his flowers for that, that even with all the negativity for not getting it done up to this point, he was able to get this team to a point that they could climb the mountain and put themselves in a position to slay the dragon.
3: That's, that's a great point because if, we're not, if we have three losses coming into this game, it just holds a lot less weight because, like, we beat them. Obviously, it feels good, but it doesn't hold the same, like, implications. Like, we're in a four-game playoff right now for the national championship. We've won four games in a row. We're national champions. He has that on
2: the table. I mean that. My goodness, man. Um, great point. All right. Time to get into the actual game here. Let's get your first key to the game. We're going to each do three.
3: First key to the game is. It can start. be a
2: player too. It can be a player if you want to. If one of your keys is is just a player needs to be on point. That that works too.
3: First key to the game is a fast start. Fast start by the offensive line. They need to establish dominance early and often. That we are going to run the ball and we're going to run it on our terms. We're going to run zone gap schemes. We're going to run between the tackles. We're going to run tosses, reverses. They need to set the tone. Eric All coming for blood. Luke Schoonmaker coming for it. Fast start has seen three presidents at Michigan. He's been there since 16. So he's seen the good, the bad, the ugly, the absent in 20, and now he's here for this one. So the offensive line getting a fast start of physicality and dominance, which I think we missed at Michigan State on the road. Them getting that fast start of physicality can really set the tone early that we're going to control the ball and control how this game is going to go.
2: I love that. They uh, played really well against Maryland, not as well in the previous game against Penn State. A little shaky against Michigan State, but overall they were okay. They've been, I mean, if you had to grade them out over the year, you're going to give them like an 87, like a high B, maybe a low A. They've been really, really good. They have to be great in this one against Haskell Garrett there in the center of this. So I I love that point. Um, I'll kind of just tack on to it for my point number one. Establish Hassan Haskins. He's the type of running back that can make things really uncomfortable for an opposing defense. When you're running and you get hit after two yards, but it's five yards, and you're like, man, we can't quite get off the field. This dude, we're getting there. We're called up correctly. We're in the right place, but this guy's turning two into four or four into eight, or at times we've seen him turn three into 13. That sort of thing is going to wear on them and demoralize them. So yes, I like fast start and I will say a fast start using probably Hassan Haskins just because of what it means from a physicality standpoint.
3: And and honestly, I think more Haskins, cause you saw what he could do against Penn state in the second half where you just kind of wear him down and take him over. Like maybe a little less Blake just especially if he's we
2: don't injured, even know if we're going to see him. We don't it, even know if we're going to see him.
3: it's true. Or Donovan Edwards, like this is Haskins. Like, probably his last year at Michigan, just pound him into the ground. Like he wants this more than anybody. Former linebacker, craves the contact. This is how you wear down an opponent, and it starts early. It's not a first quarter game. This is four quarters. And if you can wear down a defense, and you can dictate everything late in the game.
2: I love it. My next key to the game, confuse CJ Stroud. Now, you can confuse him with your coverages. You can confuse him with how you're blitzing. My guess is you're going to do a little bit of both but you've got to throw the absolute book at him. Is he the smartest freshman ever? Well, make him prove that he is, because McDonald is one of the most multiple coaches out there, having worked for the Ravens, and we've seen him really shifted up. He did not have his best game against Michigan State, especially down there in the red zone. That needs to be cleaned up in this game. But you need to hit him, and you need to confuse C.J. Stroud, and I am sure – C.J. Stroud is not a better offensive mind than Mike McDonald. Now, Ryan Day versus Mike McDonald, is that is a chess match that I can't wait to see. But you need to confuse the guy that has the ball in his hands every single time.
3: Keep in mind, Mike Urich, who's calling the place for Penn State OC, was Ohio State's OC in 2019 that attacked this Michigan defense, and they put up 17 points. Granted, weapons are changed, but he knew how to attack a Don Brown defense, and Ryan Day is there as well to Head coach over it all and oversee it, but he knew the blueprint to attack an old defense and put up 17 at home. I'm just, it's the hero. I mean, that's just that's a fact of it.
2: Just saying something that happened.
3: It did. It did happen. I want to piggyback off your point about Stroud. Get it. Get them off schedule. Hit the receivers. Hit Stroud. Be very physical. Just disrupt the timing because against Michigan State, it was too much pitch and catch. It was drop back, step up in the pocket. I'm clear whether that's pressure in his face from the tackles, on the outside, exotic blitzes, everything that's been in the bag this season. You pull out corner blitzes, safety blitzes, mixing them up. McDonald is showing a willingness to adapt, and now it's time to bring everything together because this is a chess match of minds, of proportions you and I can't even begin to fathom. So I think it'll be a kitchen sink game. I think you're going to see press coverage, zone coverage, zone blitz. I mean, just mix and match like you've never seen before against Ohio State.
2: Absolutely with you. Uh, my next key to the game, stay on schedule on our offensive side of the ball. Cade McNamara has proven to be quarterback number one, no questions there. And he's proven to that he can lead a balanced attack. Now, we just don't want to be in a position where we're having to throw from second and 13. Yep. So while we want to run the ball... I like when you're mixing it up and not running like through the tackles early on to to maybe risk that 2nd and 10 sort of thing. So keep them confused on 1st down when we're on offense. Obviously, we want to establish that run, but we've got a huge, huge bag of tricks that we've shown up to this point with a ton of weapons. So I just want to see those weapons utilized to mix it up on 1st down so that we are ahead of the down and distance, which kind of plays into my larger point, that controlling the clock is going to be massive in this game.
3: That's exactly what I was going to get into, was just dictating time management in this. And that happens to be with on schedule. You look at the Penn State first quarter, those first two drives or three and outs, and those only six plays Michigan ran in the first quarter. How do they start? Both started with false starts. You can't get off schedule like that and try to come back into it. It's too difficult. Eventually they got into the rhythm later in the game, but you can't do that against Ohio State and risk them taking deep shots and getting on the board 14 nothing for God's sake so that would just be devastating. So it's about staying on rhythm staying on schedule and really taking away that clock because as we talked about earlier if you can get Ohio State to play in the half court then then you're in business because that's what Penn State did that's what Nebraska did. but my last key to this game is another Bill Belichickism. if a team if an offense has no weaknesses you make the quarterback the weakness you got to do a lot of things against him. you got to force him into uncomfortable situations. This kid is 18 or 19 years old. Mike McDonald's been in the NFL for the last eight years. He knows how to make people uncomfortable. So I think that's the biggest thing. He's going to turn Stroud into the weakness of this offense. Not Henderson, not the receivers. It's him,
2: the guy that touches the ball every play. I love that kind of echoes on that first point. So I'll bring up that uh, bottling up Travion Henderson. If he's a non-factor in this game and you just need to worry about their passing game, that's going to let your pass rush eat. And you want to talk about, I mean, they have a really good offensive line that gave up zero pressures against Michigan State, which is very impressive. Offensive line for Ohio State had their best game last week, but they have not faced anyone well, they faced Kayvon Thibodeau, but or no, he wasn't He was out that, game. He was he out was that out. game. They haven't they, faced anyone like Aiden Hutchinson and Odell. No, no, no one has.
3: No, they were missing their two best defensive players in that game against Oregon. Yeah, they now they're were coming, missing
2: uh, Sewell too. The and linebacker. now they're
3: coming to the big house to face Aiden Hutchinson in his fourth year.
2: <sighs> Let's go! All right, <laughs> give me some bold predictions for this game. Bold predictions.
3: Hassan Haskins goes for over a buck fifty.
2: Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my man. Look at my, that is, that is spitting fire right there. How many tutties? Two tutties, over a buck 50,
3: just workhorses this game. I'm talking like, this Hassan Haskins like we've never seen. He, he was rested at the end of last week's game. He's been building for, this. And if you remember in 19, he missed cuts, he missed blocks. He had mm-hmm. a terrible game. Like a lot of Michigan players in the past have almost feared Ohio State. Hutchinson came out today and talked about, we're not afraid of them. We know what we can bring, and we're going to bring the fight to them. We're not worried about anything else that happened in the past. This is today. Blake Corham's never played against Ohio State. Andrew Anthony's never played against Ohio State. Donovan Edwards, never against Ohio State. Cade McNamara. All the demons are behind you. All that matters is what's in front of you. So I think these guys are going to play fearless, but Hassan Haskins has that edge from the end of 2019 where, you know what? I'm going to run over you, through you, around you. In the middle, I'm going to mow your grass, paint your front porch, throw a tutty. He's going for over 150.
2: Bold prediction. That is a bold prediction. Over, under, 22 carries.
3: Over. Pound the damn ball. What are we (laughs) doing here?
2: Let's go. Man, you're going to need to ship me one of those 12 lotion bottles you have back on your counter.
3: (laughs) Sending him your way, sir. All
2: right. Thank God. Uh, Love that bold prediction. I've got one for you. Two sacks for Aiden Hutchinson, maybe more. He's going to have his best game of the season. There is no player that is going to take the field this Saturday that is going to care more about winning than Aiden Hutchinson. End of rant. He's going to be the dude that day, and he's the whole reason I have faith in this team pulling out the victory is because that dude is not only the most talented player on the field, he has like the leadership characteristics. He embodies Michigan. He is a legacy guy. He comes from greatness at the program. It's just different when he's on the field and he's healthy. Like in years past, we're coming into this, Rashawn Gary's banged up a little bit, and Winovich wasn't nearly at full strength. We got Ojabo and Hutch Hutch at full strength. So my bold prediction, Aiden Hutchinson, who's had some monster games, is going to have his best game on Saturday.
3: If he has two and a half sacks in this game, he holds the Michigan record.
2: But, I mean, he's going to get it in the bowl game either way, but I I think he's going to get two in this game. I love it. I love the prediction, and and that's against the first-round NFL tackle and Petit Frere, but he already did this against the first-round NFL tackle against Washington. We've already seen him. He's too good. Aiden
3: Aiden Hutchinson is a storybook character. From being injured last year against Indiana and coming full circle, I'm coming back, we're going to beat Ohio State, to 10-1 and one coming into this game because you touched on it earlier. And it was a brilliant point that Harbaugh got him. To, they, we, they got to this point where it matters because you could get here and it doesn't matter and beat them. And it would still be important, but to, to beat them for the Big Ten, the Big Ten East and to get there means so much more and they've gotten here. So they've backed up everything they said in the preseason and for Hutch to come out here and just dominate is a storybook
2: ending to his great career. I'm with you. Any other bold points? I got maybe one or two more. You know, I got more DJ. I know you got, look at you. Look at your sunglasses. I know you people can't see it. But sunglasses. Hat just imagine backwards. wearing a solar panel across your eyes. This is what it looks
3: like. I mean, just imagine. <laughs> I don't even know what to imagine. Just imagine the most confident person in the world right now. Like,
2: yeah, there you go. That's what you look like.
3: David Caruso in Jade. There you go. Yes, yeah. Caruso
2: in anything where he thinks he's the lead actor. Right?
3: Exactly. Um, Michigan picks off Stroud more than once.
2: Whoa. I don't know if I agree with this, but let's hear it. This
3: is, this is why it's bold, my friend. It this is bold. Isn't, I This love isn't it. timid predictions. This is mild predictions. <laughs> y- you get that mild sauce away from it. We're coming in hot. This is bold.
2: Save I'm, that for a lesser pod.
3: I'm saying the pressure is going to get there. I think DJ Turner's is going to get one honest in the heat of the game. And I think late when they could be forcing the issue which could come into my prediction later. I think we get one more batted ball, pressure. This is a freshman in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Hey, you thought you thought Nebraska was tough? How about coming to Ann Arbor with the season on the line? Now that's tough. So I think the pressure is going to get to him. I think he throws this too.
2: I love the prediction. I don't know if I agree with that one, but when you said batted ball, I was like, ooh, I could see that. I could mm-hmm. see Hutch getting his hand on one and getting a pick from that, and that makes it a little bit more believable for me. If we pick him off twice, there's no, we're winning. We're winning that game 100% if we pick him off twice. He hasn't thrown many picks this year. He's been pretty reliable. Uh, kind of goes into our Mike McDonald discussion. you got to keep him uncomfortable. you got to make sure that he becomes your weakness. Loved that point. Uh, I've got one a lesser known player is going to make a huge difference and cement their legacy. I don't know who that player is going to be. I've got some ideas on it. Give I me think the Saner ideas. Still, give the names, give the names. I think a Sainer still or Schoonmaker makes a lot of sense on offense. I think somebody like that, that's kind of been overlooked. Mike Sainer still, uh, you and I said, we were going to give him his flowers. This podcast here, they come. Uh, he doesn't make a normal catch. He just makes big plays and big catches and big moments. And he's a team first guy. He'll block if you need him to. And in fact, he's that's probably been where he's been at his most effective this year is as a blocker. I see him maybe schoonmaker, or maybe who would be a maybe a Dalen Baldwin making a big play. Somebody that's just not been one of our bigger guys is gonna make a big play on this. And I think you might be able to say that for the defense, but my guy on defense is Mike Barrett. Mike Barrett makes plays, son. I love
3: the Mike Barrett call, especially the utilization and the innovation of Mike McDonald saying, hey, we're not going to be able to substitute against other teams they are going to exploit this weakness. Let's put Mike Barrett in there instead of Nikai Hill Green. We give up a little bit in the running game, but we have a better balance between run and pass defense from the linebacker position. And again, that goes to his willingness to change and adapt because Ohio State's going to try to run up-tempo, so Barrett could eat in this, and it's going to be very, very important In coverage, especially if we get manned up, which they will, because you have to mix coverages against Travion Henderson. So he's going to be the one response for him coming out of the backfield because there's no way they're going to let Josh Ross chase him down. I'm sorry, they're not that stupid.
2: No, 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 no. That's something Don Brown would have done in years past. But they're going to use their talent much more effectively this time. So I think you'll probably see. I mean, Josh Ross is going to be on the field. You need him on the field. But they know how to use him to do what he does best. And that's not necessarily a sideline to sideline against Henderson, Olave, <laughs> Smith and Jigba, or Garrett Wilson. But he'll be able to come downhill. And when he comes downhill, he's very effective. But I like that that point. I think Mike Barrett and Junior Colson, who's been getting better and better, and he does have some sideline to sideline speed. They're gonna need to be big in this. And I think Mike Barrett's gonna be a name that all of a sudden we're calling a lot. Is there and more bold prediction? Oh, go ahead. Oh, of course. Come on. (laughs) Do I I have more bold predictions?
3: Are you kidding me? I go all day. Um, Let's go. There's a special teams play by Michigan that's going to swing this game.
2: That was my next one if I had one, so we can talk about that. Um, It seems too obvious because in the big wins, it happens.
3: Exactly, because, like, the return on the – I believe the same sideline for uh, Desmond Howard and Charles Woodson. You and I called the DPJ 1 in 18. We called Peppers in 16. I'm not going to call Henning because he just scares me catching the ball too much. Like it panics me.
2: But what about Corum returning kicks again?
3: Corum returning kicks again, or a punt block could change mm-hmm. this game. And I think really just opens everything up. And the way Jay Harbaugh has been scheming up things on special teams, I expect him to have something up
2: his sleeve for Ohio state. I think so as well. I'm not even going to push back on that. Cause if I had one more, it was going to be that special teams. There's going to be something that changes this game. It could be like either way, special teams plays a role in this It always does. It always does. So this is just we're students of history. I love the I love the prediction and I think you're absolutely right. I don't have any more bold predictions, I don't think. you got any more?
3: Besides Aiden Hutchinson getting a goal on carry, I'll back off.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh one more. Andrew Anthony makes a big play. He's wearing the number one. He looks like a number one receiver. He's you gotta target him five times a game. You have to. He's too good.
3: The only problem with Anthony is he has a problem reading coverage. He's just, he's a, he's a freshman.
2: freshman. He's a freshman. That's he, his only problem. But as far as just one-on-one, if you get one-on-one shots with him, take it.
3: That's, I think they'll scheme something up for him because he has the most talent in the receiver room. He just has to learn a little bit more about the game, especially this level. But again, a, to your point, if you get him manned up on the outside, give him a ball. Cause he's going to go
2: get it. Let's roll players of the game and give me maybe a few stat predictions because we've been doing pretty good this year on our on our predictions of how things are going to play out maryland we were a little bit off but we got the spread so we're uh we're really i think we're seven and one in games where we've predicted the spread this year so we're doing well cade McNamara throws for over 300 Ooh, is that your player of the game
3: that is my player of the game he's going to captain this offense we're not going to see mccarthy He's going to be too much at control, just like Penn State. When the season's on the line, the Big Ten's on the line, I want the ball in Cade's hands. Let 12-gauge deal. Give him the rock. I think he's throwing. I said Haskins gets two tutties. I think Cade's getting three through the air. So Cade McNamara, three tutties, offensive player of the game, defensive player of the game. How in God's name can you say anybody else but Aiden Hutchinson? There is no other acceptable, we, we out, we ruled him out several times, but for Ohio state, Ohio state, if you say anybody, but Aiden Hutchinson, you're wrong. This is his legacy on the line,
2: man. You know, you really know how to, to stroke the the neck hairs on me. That is, that is some sweet talk that you've got going on right there. I will go Zahn Haskins, um, I love what you had to say about Cade McNamara. If he has his best game of the season, I love our chances to win. But I think that the best path to victory involves Hassan Haskins really, really having an incredible day. If they can't stop him running the ball, which is going to be tough. Now, their best two players are their defensive tackles. Our best running plays have been outside of those A and B gaps. So I think that that actually lines up okay. I think that that's not necessarily something that worries me. Now, pressure coming up the middle and getting in Cade McNamara's face that does worry me a bit. So that's why I'm leaning a little bit more towards the running game in this one. So I'm going to go Hassan Haskins. I love your 152 touchdown prediction. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say a little bit less. I'm gonna say it's 125 from him. But I'm thinking we get some quorum in this. I mean, that's a little bit of a wing and a prayer. I don't even know if he's going to play. But if he can play, he's been my dude all year. I'm that's- not gonna I'm not gonna back off.
3: I can't let you do that anyway because you said you've rid, ridden for him all season and he has to make a comeback because even after the uh, Michigan State game, he had another drop. Like he was yep. still struggling to get his rhythm yeah. back. So I feel like if he can get the ball in his hands, make a play, the mojo immediately just snaps back for him. So I love that. But also, Donovan Edwards will play in this game. You don't come off yeah. 10 catches, 170 mm-hmm. for nothing
2: no preach preach absolutely you have to get him involved and maybe Corum dropping his last two big passes kind of means that that's not necessarily his role anymore and that's edwards so i might be a big fan of seeing quorum and edwards in the backfield a couple times i mean it's tough you've got so many guys you need to get touches to and there's not going to be a million offensive plays but i would like to see that because Corum and edwards back there um quorum will get better with catching the ball like History says he's a better receiver out of the backfield than those two drops. And I would like to see him get one thrown his way to kind of get that out of his system. So I agree with you. There's a bounce-back element there with Corum. Um, all right, on defense, who you got? Uh, or Hutchinson, you already said yeah, it's you, It's Aiden Hutchinson. It's, it's Aiden I, Hutchinson for me as well. I already said he's going to get two sacks. The second most important player on defense,
3: though. DJ Turner.
2: It's DJ Turner. We're in complete
1: agreement.
3: <laughs> like it's, we're, we're we're riding with the big horses at this point. We're gonna go front. We're gonna go first level. We're gonna go back level. It has to be Turner. Whether it's Alave, whomever, it's got to be him. Because if we're taking a pick away just on a throw, it's gonna be Turner making
2: it. That's what I'm saying. This isn't some like qualifying race. This is the Kentucky Derby.
3: Yeah. We're, it, we're, we're no, we're not betting on the long shot here. We're going on our horses. We know what to do with. And even you, the biggest corn fan in the world, is saying feed Hassan Haskins the ball again and game. again and again.
2: Yep. I'm with you. All right. It's time, my friend. Give me your prediction.
3: So I stood on this a lot over the weekend, and I've been thinking about a lot during the day. Like, do I just want Michigan to win? Or do I think they can win? Because in 18, I thought they could win and they got smoked. In nineteen, I hope they could win, and they also got smoked. <laughs> so a lot of things happened. Seventeen, I thought we I thought we could maybe throw some magic together, got up 14, nothing. They came Made back a game and of beat it. us. Made a game of it. Made the best one of the best coach games of the hardball era. Sixteen, we should have beaten them. I believed it and I wanted it. In this one, I won it really bad. And I believe it. It's going to happen michigan it's going to be high scoring no team has scored more than 14 in the big house but this is going to be it's going to be high scoring it's going to be tight late ohio state's going to start driving the ball late in the game probably around five minutes to go then get down there defense is going to hold they're going to kick a field goal they're going to be down 41 38 they think they're going to get the ball back they're going to get a stop hassan haskins is going to salt the game away on the ground this Let's. offense is going to salt it away, and Michigan walks away 41-38. We storm the field. We go to Indy.
2: Go. <laughs> Let's go. My friend, uh, right before we took a little break at the half, uh, Pops was like, what are you going to say for your prediction? And I was like, I haven't decided yet. I'm, I'm leaning 41-34. He goes, no, 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 41-38, and you're like, what? That's exactly how I see it. Um, I love it. I think a lot of what you said makes a ton of sense. I was going to go with the exact same score prediction, which would be awesome if it hits, <laughs> but I want I to th- throw a little variety in for potentially different outcome that I could see because I could very well see it going that way. I could see this becoming a shootout, which people are going to say, well, you don't want to get into a shootout with them. No, you absolutely do not want to do that. But that's saying that we don't have the offensive horses to keep up, which is just not right. That's not accurate. This isn't the best defense we faced all year. That's Wisconsin. We've already played the best defense that we've played all year. We hung 38 on
3: them and played reserves in the fourth quarter.
2: Yes. And like we've played some of the same teams, you know, Penn State played them close, Nebraska played them close. We beat both of those teams. Now there's the Michigan State element of that. I get it. Um, I'm going to just chalk that up to extenuating circumstances and it being in the horseshoe. I think that there's maybe a scenario where this is like played like an old school Big Ten game, like kind of what we saw against Penn State, where it's a slow starting thing. And it's like, oh, it's a bit of a defensive battle. Then we figure each other out and there's some points scored and it's a bit of back and forth. And then I think that towards the end, when it comes down to it, The amount of pressure that we've gotten on C.J. Stroud and the amount of time that their defense spends on the field compared to ours is going to be a big factor in this game. And I trust our defense against C.J. Stroud. I think that we get after him enough to either, A, he doesn't finish the game, probably a little bit too bold. He's pretty mobile, pretty good offensive line. But I do think that we really throw him off of his rhythm. I think that that is something that could happen. And I think that in the fourth quarter, the pass rush just takes over. And when it comes down to it, we score and they're unable to get that final score. So although I love, love your score prediction and want to ride with that, I'm going to go 31-24 just for a little bit of difference. I think that it comes down to us scoring to break a tie late and then they're unable to score. I think the the pass rush gets to them and, and seals it and we rush the field and... Andy's down there I assume with a stripper on his shoulders so just be on the lookout for that look for the giant glasses that look like a plasma screen tv
3: look for those the cigarette smoke the women scantily dressed all of that man I love that we're both predicting it I love that we both believe it like that's the thing like this is like like there there there's homerism of course because we're Michigan fans at the at the end of everything we are Michigan fans but we've seen the whole season we're not overreacting to one game or whatever we've seen but Something about this, even even if this team loses, I'm gonna say there's been something different about this team. Like the leadership, things have changed at Michigan. Like a blowout would definitely kill that. I would our vibe next week would suck, but like this season has been a fun ride. The vibe has changed. We, the most optimistic fans, myself included, said nine and three. We're ten and one. Everything on the table. As I said earlier, prove us wrong one more time, please
2: let's go my friend this is our finest hour and it was an absolute pleasure to talk about this one with you uh win lose or draw next week we will be back talking about this um if we blow them out as we said i might actually wash up on shore somewhere um so you might not hear from me but that's fine just know that i died doing what i love and that was probably, I guess, snorting cocaine off of a stripper's hip bones somewhere <laughs> outside of Ann Arbor.
3: If if we blow them out, we might record Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. and just one long bender we share together.
2: No, oh, And that would be glorious, my friend. That is going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether that is Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever. You can follow us on Twitter at Maison Brew. You can follow me on Twitter at JSTORM303. You can follow Andy at UMAndy sorry tell, tell me one more time
3: i got you sir at um andrew b please interact with us shout out jose shout out our boys that talk to us all the time on there. good vibes positive energy it's a smoking section we want all the smoke against ohio state that's why we're here bringing the vibes so please talk to us get at us
2: love you all michigan listeners let's uh collectively hold hands across the ethos and pray for a win go blue